Hi, and welcome to this episode of our Mental Health for Performance podcast. I'm Michelle Sawatsky-Coop, and today's very special guest is Kirsten May, co-owner of Uphouse Inc. I stopped by their amazing office in downtown Winnipeg and enjoyed the hustle and bustle going on all around us, even as we chatted. Finding amazing humans doing great things. That's our jam. And we know that Kirsten is exactly that kind of person. The lightning fast growth of Uphouse Inc. is undeniable. And I think the reasons behind that growth are going to speak to the wellness of the people that work there. So I was honored to get even an hour of her time. And of course, the first thing I did when I sat down was to thank her for saying yes to joining us. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. Kirsten, maybe first, tell us all about Uphouse Inc. and what you do. Sure. So Uphouse is a marketing and public relations agency. Um, We provide services to clients in all sorts of different sectors, which is really fun from health to technology to tourism and lifestyle to workforce development. So we get to work with a range of clients. So every day is different. And we're working with clients all across Canada. We started just my business partner, Alex Verricchio, and myself in 2017, just the two of us here in our office at 70 Arthur in the Exchange District in Winnipeg. And right now we have 37 people on staff. And probably by the time this podcast airs, it'll be closer to 40. It's grown so, so fast in those five and a bit years. And uh, we've been able to expand our service offering to become a, a full service studio. So it's been super exciting. So exciting. It's like rapid growth, it sounds like. Now, what's your day-to-day? What would be a, a day in the life of, of Kirsten or, or I guess your whole crew here? So when we were a much smaller shop, my day-to-day looked a lot like providing the services to clients. So my background is as a copywriter. And so I love brand and branding and the storytelling side of that and understanding those universal themes that brands can use to connect to customers like beyond a product or service. And so that kind of lets me flex my creativity and and think about those stories and apply that copywriting to a brand platform, which sort of has all the messaging and decision making around a brand and then collaborating with our designers to bring that brand to life through visuals or videographers to bring that brand to life through a video. But of course, as the agency's grown, you know, we've hired people that can provide those services as well so that, you know, I don't become the bottleneck trying to to do this work for all of our clients. So I've definitely grown into more of that, you know, COO or that operations capacity. I am a great um, project finisher. Like I have that, um, (laughs) I don't know, patience or resilience to like really work an initiative through to the end. I'm a very detail-oriented person, so I've sort of gravitated to that operations side of the business. So that would take up a lot of my day-to-day now. And then my business partner, Alex, has a very different skill set than me, which is why we love working together. He's very entrepreneurial, and so he does a lot of the business development work for the company to help bringing those new clients in and those new projects in to kind of keep the, the engines running here. And then, you know, we have staff in all sorts of different capacities from client services to the creative work to public relations to digital marketing and strategy. So, yeah, lots of different specialties here. But I think uh, we all kind of like the challenge, the creative challenge of working here and and the creative product that we're producing and, and the thinking around that. So that's typically what attracts our team to an agency environment. Yeah, 
I think sometimes we get to know companies best when we know their their mission. Like, what is your your mission? I don't know if you have a mission statement, but what's the mission of your group? What are you What are you really going for as a housing? Mm-hmm. So we have a mission, which is very simply to make marketing better. And so you might hear that and think like, oh, make better marketing. You know, more interesting, more captivating, more effective. Yes, but also to make the kind of marketing that makes the world better. So we have attracted very purpose-driven individuals who want to know that the time that they're putting in here each day is enriching the community in some way, shape, or form, or you know, enriching the lives of people from a marginalized community that they might identify with, for example. And so they want to produce marketing that's making the world better in that capacity. So more diverse, more inclusive, more equitable, more accessible is often what motivates the the people here. So that idea of make marketing better, that definition has continued to expand with every talented person that comes and wants to put their time and talent here. And so we um, recently, in the last couple of years, worked with United Way Winnipeg to define our social purpose. And so that's the idea that you know, we live in a purpose-led economy right now. For businesses, it's not enough just to grow your scope of services or your footprint or your staff count or your revenue. Consumers want to see how you're growing for good. And so you want to intentionally define what that looks like at your business because, of course, there's so many different ways you could take that and it helps to be focused, particularly if you're growing fast. And so our social purpose that we define through this United Way program is we exist to inspire the social consciousness of brands. So through that branding lens, by working with organizations that have crafted a brand, we want to help them improve the lives of employees, customers, as well as the community. So when we look at their marketing, we're going to try to shift some of those tactics to say, yes, you know, you need to be a profitable business. You need to provide a good place of work for your employees. But how else can your marketing enrich the lives of these stakeholders and we want to be the partner to help them define and do that. Yeah, it's so cool. It just sounds like you want to make companies better, but not just better in terms of how can you make more money. Yeah. And it's interesting in this day and age, you know, we get more and more into the the modern world as, as, as you know, time moves on. It seems sometimes everyone's at breakneck speed to be successful and mm-hmm. what is success. And as much as we think people just want more money, mm-hmm. isn't it amazing like that you are really finding that your success is lying in going beneath the surface of the monetary success or the business that's just creating you know a bigger footprint that's incredible what an and and what an enriching way to approach life and approach work definitely yeah Yeah, and i think it's been an important recruitment piece for us recruitment is so tough right now it's definitely an employee's market which is the you know it wasn't the case when I was graduating from college. It was like you're gonna take what you can get and be thankful for it. <laughs> like please give me a job. <laughs> you know I gotta pay off this student debt. <laughs> That's not the case anymore. No. Employees have a lot of choice, and sure. so I think they are voting through their acceptance of those job offers about which kind of businesses that they want to support. And often it's those businesses that want to make that positive impact as they continue to be an effective and profitable business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you think COVID had a part in that? Do you think COVID has changed that scene that we, I don't know, it's maybe made, made us think more inward perhaps and what's important? We definitely saw a lot of people changing jobs or shifting to self-employment during COVID. And I think that was a signal of people wanting just to take that 
pause Mm -hmm. to reflect about what's important to them in their lives and they had the opportunity and the means and the time to do that during COVID and I think for sure some people decided I love graphic design I'm going to become a freelance graphic designer which is great they wanted that ability to control their schedule and their clients and and what what their sort of week looks like and then I think we also saw a lot of people moving jobs for exactly that reason saying like this the ethos of this company doesn't connect with me maybe I just feel like I'm just earning a paycheck and honestly like we spend too much time at work for it not to fill our cups like way too much time (laughs) and even all the stress of work right like the interpersonal side the task management the management of people and clients like you have to feel like that's going somewhere that it's shaping something bigger than yourself or contributing to something that you care about so I think COVID definitely inspired a lot of people to take a hard look at what that looks like in their lives and what's important to them and yeah move jobs I mean like we had posted for a client services position in COVID and we got 120 applications for just like kind of a, a management position and we had candidates like from all walks of life all education levels all levels of experience in this industry or adjacent ones and and to me that really signaled that that shift that people were looking for something different and were looking to make a change and a lot of those folks identified Uphouse as a potential place they'd like to work by seeing sort of those those campaigns and that work that we're doing in the community the work that we're doing for nonprofit organizations um, we have like a moniker we call ourselves a gaygency so we do a lot for the 2s lgbtq plus community mm-hmm. both for our staff as well as for clients and i think folks just kind of identified like hey that's the kind of place i would like to work and yeah so we saw that kind of shift in, in work-life priorities, for sure. Wow. When you think about it, too, you mentioned that it, is, it just struck me. You said, since we're here all day, and even social circles, mm-hmm. even the social circles that become your friendship group and become mm-hmm. your social group, it makes sense that you would want them to be a, of similar mind. Yeah. We have some staff <laughs> um, <laughs> who would start uh, start here. And, you know, when you start a new job, like, you really – you're figuring it out, right? right like right. how goofy can you be maybe <laughs> if you're goofy or how intense can you be if you're intense? Um, and so people, I think, tone their personalities down a little bit for those those first few weeks. Yep. And then once they start to make some friends at work and start to get their legs under them, then you really see their personalities come out, which is so fun and, uh, and uncover people's like quirky hobbies and interests. But we've had so many people say <laughs> that they'll come to Uphouse and they've never, for example, watched RuPaul's Drag Race with their coworkers before. But like that's a regular <laughs> viewing party event around here, you know? So like having that place where, yeah, you can like reveal that you know so many facts and histories about all the queens on RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> and like people will respect you for it <laughs> um, is, is really a lot of fun. And yeah. I think, you know, one of the reasons people like to come to work here is they're surrounded by like-minded individuals with similar interests to their own. Right, right. And so you help companies also create that culture, right, with your marketing and, and all of that and to let people know what companies cultures are what would be some ways I think nowadays sometimes you know even you know for me having grown up maybe in an even another generation sometimes it's hard to know which way is the right way to include everyone do you give direction that way too like uh, you know in terms of this is how you can be inclusive because sometimes it's even hard to know if you're doing that right 
Oh, yeah, that is a huge topic. Yes, like how inclusive, how diverse is a workplace culture? And every workplace is at a different step along that journey, right? I think some workplaces actually don't know what that future looks like, you know, like for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, They haven't surrounded themselves with the right people maybe to show them the value of that and what that could look like. Um, But then if you do know that's where your organization is headed, um, just having a real honest look at where you're at because there's a lot of things that can make a workplace icky for people that you may never clue into if you're from maybe a more privileged group or background. you know, little comments, um, little workplace policies, you might not realize how that's impacting someone from a different walk of life than you. So a lot of the times um, that like really honest reflection, we we are not the best partner to help someone do that. You know, like there's anti-racism coaches and consultants and folks that can kind of do that assessment of a workplace. But typically where we can help is once an organization says, okay, we have a good sense of where we are and where we want to go. Uphouse, can you help us communicate that Mm -hmm. in a way that um, connects with employees, connects with customers and is sensitive to how our shortcomings might be perceived. I think that's often what holds people back and stops organizations from talking about what they are doing is because they can get hung up and afraid of criticism about what they're not doing. So we can help them sort of walk that line. And one thing that I think is really cool about the upcoming generation we call like Zoomers or Gen Z or Gen Alpha Mm -hmm. is they are not looking for perfection in brand and marketing they want something that's a little more rough and raw Mm. and real and honesty is what they value like they don't need anything sugar-coated or spoon-fed to them so if an organization during pride month let's say says you know here's what we're doing really well right now by our queer friends and allies but here's what we still need to do this upcoming generation is going to say got it thank you for that i might hold you accountable to these promises that you're making but typically isn't going to pile on the shortcomings. So yeah. that's something that really makes me excited for what this space could look like in the future. Why Uphouse? Why did you call yourselves Uphouse? So our original um, specialty for the business when Alex and I started it was to acknowledge this shift that's happened in the marketing space, which is organizations reducing their advertising agency spend and instead building up their in-house marketing team. Okay. Because, you know, you might think back in the day, everyone's advertising was TV commercials on the six o'clock news or billboards on the highway. And that's how you would reach everyone. That is not what it looks like today, right? We talk about channels being really fragmented and needing to advertise and and share your message in a lot of different places like your website and social media, um, whatever digital platforms. And often it's more cost effective to have that person in-house on your team than hiring an agency to do all of that work. One thing that an agency does provide to an organization, though, is that outside perspective and that strategic thinking. So just recognizing that this shift was happening, but perhaps there was this shortage of outside perspective and strategic thinking. We said we want Uphouse to be the kind of partner that can come alongside the in-house team and provide that. So get Uphouse to elevate your in-house marketing team. That's cool. Yeah. Coming (laughs) alongside. I really like that. Let's talk social media. I mean, social media can be so negative and Mm -hmm. it can be so damaging and it can be scary to even get to know how do you use social media to to shape culture and to you know to help companies present 
the front that they want to present. Yeah, social media is such a tough one. It's so much work. And even if you think about the different channels within social media, right? Like LinkedIn. What are you using LinkedIn for? If you're a B2B business, you might have what we call decision makers at another business that you want to work with. And those decision makers are on LinkedIn building their sales channel. So maybe that's a good place to engage them. You might want to use LinkedIn to attract future workers and show what your culture is like and who else is working there and what sort of events are you involved in. Same for Instagram. Are you using Instagram to engage customers? Are you doing influencer marketing, which is huge right now and is not going away anytime soon? Or are you using Instagram to show a little glimpse inside your organization and what it's like to work there? Um, Facebook continues to be really popular for groups, um, creating groups around shared interests. Um, and then, of course, there's TikTok and Snapchat. You know, it's the Wild West. <laughs> and brands are trying lots of different things. Um, yeah, so it's it's tough. It You need to have a plan. Otherwise, it can get so fragmented and your social media doesn't really accomplish anything. Mm -hmm. So often it just starts with an understanding of where is social media contributing to those objectives within your organization, be it sales or recruitment or education or advocacy, and then saying, which channels do I need to be on in order to share that message and who does my content need to engage in order to get that that you know, education or participation or buy-in. So yeah, often when we work with an organization, we'll work at that level, you know, just Mm -hmm. making the plan and we might help with some graphic design or doing the skins for whatever social media pages Mm -hmm. they need or or doing some content around a product or a launch or an initiative, but really supporting their team and then taking that and running it with it. Yeah, boy, you must be such a sigh of relief for some companies when you come in and you like they, we're like we just don't know where to go we just yeah. don't know where to begin because it's so can be so bombarding oh my goodness right and where yes. should we be and how should we but once you assess it yeah you know where your purpose is and how to connect it yeah I love that yeah now now Kirsten we've talked about you know um, safe spaces inclusivity mm-hmm. culture creating culture in a workplace so you must I mean you must be so thrilled to be leading the way along with your partner of course mm-hmm. but um, where did you grow up and, and sort of lead us a little bit on your path. Tell us your okay. story and how you sort of got here to where you are. Okay. My dad worked in communications. Oh. So yeah, my family was always like big on our like reading and writing okay. and presentation skills. And uh, so yeah, my dad worked as a communications officer. So he was essentially a speech writer. He also worked in broadcast. Um, so, you know, I was always really interested in media. And growing up, I wanted to be a journalist. And then I I went to the Rotary Career Symposium, which was an event that they used to take grade 11 students to at the RBC Convention Center. It would have been called something else at that time. And at that convention, I discovered Red River College's Creative Communications Program, which lets you learn journalism, public relations, advertising, and broadcast all in two years. All together. Yes. Wow. And so I thought that sounded really cool. And the folks... From the college told me you know you can make this a bachelor's degree by pairing it with however many credit hours at the University of Winnipeg so that's the path that I took and through my education pathway I like changed my mind so many times about (laughs) where I wanted to specialize as one does right absolutely Yeah. yeah so I came in wanting to be a journalist and then I realized the influence that public relations professionals have on the news every day and I thought that was pretty cool And then my broadcast instructors 
thought I was very comfortable on camera and behind a mic. So they were pushing me that direction. Um, but ultimately, I loved the creativity of advertising and that approach to solving a business challenge through a creative lens mm. and how you can use something known, something people know to help them understand something they may not know and how you can kind of transfer those themes between different products and ideas. And I just thought that was so cool. So that was ultimately the path that I chose. I did work at CJOB. I read the news. That was my job. (laughs) That was my job um, in school and it was good. Kept me out of trouble. I would read the news on uh, Saturday and Sunday nights. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. When all my friends were at the King's Head, I was in the CJOB (laughs) newsroom. So it was good. Saved a lot of money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then from there, I uh, got hired at McKim. Um, I think right now they're still using the hybrid name Sherpa McKim. Um, so I worked with very closely with a man there named Carrie Pradnick, who was an awesome copywriting mentor to me. So I worked there for three years and then moved to a company called ThinkShift and helped to build their kind of content and copy department. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I met Alex Verricchio. And okay. so I was uh, I was working there with Alex for four years. And then eventually the time kind of came where we were sort of being moved along within the organization and, and I was tracked for a leadership position within the organization. And, you know, like so many people think, it's like, hey, do we want to do this for others or do we want to do this for ourselves? And yeah. so that conversation is ultimately what led to the development of Uphouse. Amazing. And, and that takes some, that always takes some courage though, right? To take that leap and go mm-hmm. on your own. Do you remember those very first days? Oh my goodness. It's, it started with a, um, I think it was nine o'clock at night on a Monday at a little bar in South Osborne. <laughs> Alex and I both live in the South. So yeah, we met up there to, to talk about that. And, you know, is that something that we would be interested in doing? And as I mentioned, like Alex is very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. I always knew that he was going to start his own business. Um, so ultimately it was like, do I have an interest in, in taking this leap as well? And I remember working in different advertising agencies, watching the agency owner not be able to contribute to the creative product, even though that passion is what led them to start that huh. business. It's almost like you... You know, you start it, but then others eventually take on that responsibility from you so that you can run the business. And I wasn't convinced that was a trade-off I would ever want to make because I do find this work so fulfilling and I didn't want to kind of be the one just behind the scenes all the time, you know? Like I wanted to be in it, in in the mix, like right in the deep end of the pool. Um, One of the reasons I love this job is because you get to have so many different careers from the comfort of your own by learning about different businesses right and the people there and why they're so passionate about what they do like whether it's like soil agronomy or multi-family building construction (laughs) or you know any number of things um so i definitely had more hesitation uh around making this this switch but i had some really awesome family and friends support me when I bounced this idea off of them, including my husband, who was so curious, like, why are you going for a cocktail with your colleague at nine o'clock on a Monday night? You right, know? right. And he and as soon as I said, you know, we're thinking about doing this, he said, I would do it. If I were you, I would do it. Wow. Right away without yeah. hesitation. So I think just having having that support really affirmed that this was the right choice for me. And yeah, five years later, heck yes. 
Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Great choice. Great choice. And now it's growing like crazy. I I want to talk a little bit though about, you mentioned the different um, businesses that you work Mm -hmm. with, which makes this a new day every day. Yeah. Uh, I think it's cool though, because it speaks to, even in this podcast, we've had conversations. We're talking about, you know, the humans behind performance. Mm -hmm. And we started our journey talking to athletes only. So Mm -hmm. we were talking about the sport journey. It's amazing how similarly it, it pertains to business. It pertains to any work. It pertains to family life it pertains to friendly relationships if you're gonna be successful at being a good friend you have to have some qualities and some acceptance and some of these Mm. things uh do you have a story of a a company and I don't know what I mean not to give away any confidences or Mm. whatever but a story of a company where you sort of came alongside them they really needed your help and 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 you could maybe lead us and show us how you help them become a place that people wanted to be and wanted to be a part of mm. one of our original clients is a, a manitoba business called red river mutual mm. they are a provider of home and business and farm insurance and um you know their organization has grown really fast and they like a lot of insurance companies it's a very competitive space right they're also the insurance provider they're not even the insurance broker right so they're also one removed from the customer you know you get your home insurance through the broker down the street but you don't necessarily know who's underwriting that policy unless you have a claim and then that brand becomes really important for that insurance provider anyways um they engaged us at a time where they had recently refreshed the look of their logo and brand but didn't necessarily have the values built out around it and so we came alongside to help them define that story about why they do what they do, their vision for the future, as well as the values that you can expect when you work with them, whether you are a policyholder or whether you're an employee. And they have really lived those values. They recently moved into a new office space and it was cool to see some of those words that we had put to paper for them now as big decals on their office wall so that their staff could just really get an appreciation and a deep understanding of what those values meant coming to work every day. The tagline that we worked with them to develop is around this idea that every client, every policyholder has their own story and Red River Mutual's job is to help protect that story, right? Through their insurance. Yeah. And through our deep relationship, which has just continued to grow and strengthen with Red River Mutual and their team, you know, you kind of start with like a couple little initiatives and those go well. And then they say, OK, what else can you do for us? What else can you do for us? And they start to become more receptive to maybe shifting what some of their marketing spend has looked like. And so they had um, a big sports sponsorship in place that they had committed to for a, a period of time, a number of years. And when that sponsorship came to an end, they were interested in saying, you know, should we renew or how else can we spend that money? And they had had an interest in doing a community giving campaign. So uncovering different spaces that bring community together, whether it's a curling rink or a hall or a splash pad or a park or a community garden, because those are the places in small and rural communities across the West where stories happen, yeah. right? And so they wanted to invest in sprucing up those spaces so we were able to work with them to develop this spruce up your story community campaign where they receive nominations from community groups across manitoba and saskatchewan and their staff choose the projects that they want to financially invest in to support and that has become 
such a core part to their organization and it's really helped them stand apart in what can be a very crowded space in insurance and it has also really shone a spotlight on the value that their in-house marketing staff bring to that organization it really shifted this perception that marketing is just an expense on the profit and loss statement to marketing is an investment that's really helping us to grow our brand image and awareness. It's helping to drive sales and support of our other products. It's equipping our adjusters and various staff with a way to talk about what makes that insurance provider special. So it's been really cool like over the the number of years that we've been working with just to see that, not just that marketing initiative grow, but just that understanding of who they are as an organization and what makes them a good partner and a good place to work. See that really grow and like come into its own, like really a clear understanding yeah. of themselves. Yeah. Just sounds like you just the wholeness of that idea. Mm-hmm. You know, it builds success, right? Yeah. Knowing that there is a greater good yeah. and that they're trying to do that. Yeah actually will help the bottom line Mm -hmm. that's I think what some people lose and that's what I've learned the most in having all these conversations that I've had man that's growing that company Mm -hmm. it's growing the company in all the ways that matter and what's cool about the work that we do is we are not coming up with anything new we're not taking Uh anything off of like a bookshelf and saying oh here are some policies you should implement all those things are there right right like that magic that's the reason they were successful when they we met them that's the reason they're still successful right we are just kind of polishing and letting the cream rise to the top and then saying, okay, you have all these great things going on, but what it really comes down to is this. So let's make sure this is communicated super clearly to help you differentiate yourself as an insurance provider and as an employer in order to attract those great customers, those great employees, and just to be able to continue to lean in with that focus around Mm. what makes you really special. Yeah. I love that. Now, you guys have won some awards. Yeah. Yeah. Recently, (laughs) some Anthem Awards, I understand. And and for like programs like Consent at Work, Huddle, Mm -hmm. Sex Ed for Everyone, Locked and Locked. Can you tell us a little about this? Yeah. Those are all great examples of our community and nonprofit organizations, which we um, actually obtained B Corp certification last year. B Corp is an international standard for ethical companies. And you have to do all of this reporting on where your revenue comes from and how diverse is your supply chain and how are you taking care of your employees and are people being paid properly? Like it's a very, very deep dive. But it was interesting to see that 58% of our revenue came from nonprofit and purpose-driven organizations. Wow. You know, so it's kind of neat. Like you had this sense like, yeah, we serve a lot of nonprofits. But then when you put a percentage to it, you're like, whoa, that's, you know, that's a sizable chunk of our business. Totally. Uh, and some of those those projects that you mentioned are those those nonprofit organizations. So um, it's we are people marketers, right? Like we there are a lot of areas of need in the world. There are a lot of different things we could choose to influence through our business. But the greatest need we feel is with people and equity and the barriers that folks are facing in their lives or the resources that they may need in order to overcome those barriers. So when we decide where we want to invest our time, you know, through pro bono work or additional contribution, we often will choose organizations that 
take care of people. Mm-hmm. And so that's what those organizations were doing. And a wonderful thing about our nonprofit clients is they know they don't have the budget to pay for a lot of media to get their message out there. They're going to rely on a lot of word of mouth and sharing of right. what they're doing. And so they know in order to get that sharing, they need a really bold idea. And so they give us the permission to really go for it in the campaigns that we are proposing. And of course, with a bold idea, there's always risk, right? So we'll, (laughs) we'll work together to try to manage that risk and say, hey, is the reward, the outcome worth that risk? And in all of those cases, it it definitely has been. Mm -hmm. Um, We... I think some of our most rewarding work has been the work that we've done for the Cerebral Palsy Association of Manitoba. Uh, A number of adults with disabilities in the province were filing a human rights case against the province regarding the lack of services that they received once they graduated from high school. Yes, and this lack of services and supports, a lot of it comes down to the number of hours of home care that they're able to access, really means that they're not able to participate in community to the same level as another Manitoban or that they would like to. And so one of those spokespeople for that initiative is a man named Tyson Sylvester, and he agreed to let us lock him in a jail cell in the middle of downtown Winnipeg so that he could help Manitobans understand that the lack of supports means he's essentially locked out of life. Mm -hmm. And putting a wheelchair user in a jail cell in downtown Winnipeg is a risky idea. Right. Right. For sure. Yes. It could be very triggering for people to see that. Yes. But Tyson was in control and he was in control of his story and he was on board to do this. And we worked with the media ahead of time to prep them around why we are doing this in this Mm -hmm. way. And that was one of those videos that got that word of mouth, that pick up, that sharing. It was shared 200,000 times on Facebook within a matter of months. And that that pressure that that campaign initiated on the province of Manitoba, along with a local um, legal aid service, uh, has now the province is doing a study into this where they are following some folks along to understand these barriers and these shortcomings and where they're falling through the gap so that we can adequately address that. Yeah, incredibly rewarding. Totally. It's just saying to me, people are still the most important. Yes. And when we are sure that we are supporting them and they're well and they feel that they are heard, yeah, amazing things can happen. Absolutely. Amazing yeah. performances can yeah. happen. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations. And I, and I hear that you are up for another award. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We are finalists for the Prairie Region for EY's Entrepreneur of the Year Award, which is kind of the creme de la creme oh. of entrepreneur awards yeah. that you can you can secure in Canada. So uh, we got to meet the judges yesterday. Okay. So the judges that were kind of deciding which business in the prairies um, they want to honor this year. So we'll find out uh, in September and October mm-hmm. if we are indeed that business. Our local EY people uh, were kind of <laughs> telling us, you've got a great shot. There's a lot of good stuff in your application. So hopefully they're right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that would be super cool to be honored with that award. Um, you know, and it's it's very encouraging. You know, we feel like we have built a 
pretty special place. But then to have those outside experts from so many different businesses and so many different areas agree that, yeah, like there's something cool going on at Uphouse is, is really special. Yeah, that's really special. And I know that some corporations might listen or some leaders might listen to this and say, oh, that sounds like a lot of work what you've done. Mm-hmm. But I can t- I can tell unequivocally you would say uh, worth every bit of work you've put in. Uh, so much reward has come out of it in so many ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's incredibly rewarding. It's also very challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, every day is different, not just the nature of an agency, right? And that you're a service business serving a variety of clients. So you never quite know what's going to come up in a given day. Mm. But just, you know, being an entrepreneur and growing a business, there's so many things I've learned through this that I never thought (laughs) I would. (laughs) You know, we acquired a public relations company last year. So the mergers and acquisitions experience, right? Never in a thousand years would I have guessed I'd be sitting down with a lawyer to go through that paperwork. But there I was. So it definitely keeps it interesting, Keeps it um, keeps it fresh. Always a new challenge. Absolutely. Um, what's your dream for Uphouse? What did you have a big? Do you have big, far away goals or? <laughs> um, probably not far away goals. Probably <laughs> close goals. If that's okay. That's great. That's great. <laughs> um, yeah. So our close goals that we're actively working on right now is we want to build an influencer and talent studio within Uphouse. Yeah, particularly cool. to elevate some of that diverse talent that we're not always seeing that mm-hmm. might need. A bit of extra support to get there and yep. that definitely definitely deserves the same pay yeah. as uh, as you know f- more mainstream folks um, we are we have staff in Toronto and Vancouver so we're looking to grow there grow our footprint there yeah I think Winnipeg will always be our home base but you know it's cool to expand into these markets and get connected with other creative professionals and and meet different businesses that are headquartered there mm-hmm. and we are definitely taking advantage of the direct flight from Winnipeg Winnipeg to LA yeah that nice. our, our film and music industry helped to secure and so we are working with a business development strategist company down there um, to help us kind of understand the market we're connected with their LGBT plus chamber of commerce um, and so we're really looking to see if there's any U.S. opportunities we can unlock Kirsten, it's amazing. Good people doing good things for other people is really just exploding this place. Yeah, absolutely. so encouraging. I want to ask you some rapid fire questions. Let's do it. Describe a scenario when you had to think on your feet. Oh my goodness. So much, particularly over the last, I would say, six months. We've done some pretty big brand launches. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have also positioned ourselves as that agency that really wants to bring more diverse voices and perspectives sort of behind the scenes and the way we produce work, but also in front of the camera, you know, what goes out in the marketing and communications. So that means we get called up a lot. I bet. It does. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a think on your feet moment for sure. You always get those emotions first from that criticism, but then you need to really listen to what that criticism is revealing about what's important to the people that are interacting with your work um, so that you can find a good solution. So yeah, definitely as our our work gets more and more public, more and more mass market, we're going to have more and more of that. And uh, and yeah, got to think on your feet in those moments for sure. Yeah, and, and good for you too in breaking ground on some of that and being, being able to, I like that advice though, you know, you feel that emotion first. Yeah. But just to take that time yeah right yeah yeah move beyond that yeah (laughs) well where is your happy place if you have one my happy place is at the barn okay (laughs) (laughs) yes I am a horseback rider 
It's a hobby I've had for a long time. And uh, like any sort of physical activity, it's a great stress relief. You know, you might show up to that activity with all the worries of the day saying like, should I even be here or should I go home and work on whatever? But then after an hour, you're like, I'm so glad I took this time for myself. Those problems that seem big seem small now. So for me, horseback riding is that you know, that animal time that yeah. I love. I'm an animal person, but also that physical activity. And I've made a great group of girlfriends through the sport, too. So that's really fun. That's cool. <laughs> and you need that, too. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> yeah, good for the soul. How do you define success? I think success, this is such a good question because I think 2023 for me is really the year of you know, scale, scaling the business and doing it in a sustainable way. And so in order to have that success, we need clarity around what we're doing, where we're going, how we work together. And then we also need to build confidence in our ability to do those things and do it well and do it our way, not necessarily following the way of other workplaces folks might have worked at in the past or other businesses. So yeah, success, I think for us, clarity and confidence. That's what I'm working on this year. (laughs) I love that. Tell me about a time where you felt underqualified. Oh yeah, that's such a good one. And, you know, that comes back to this idea of confidence and understanding, you know, what what are your qualifications? And I think as women as well, this is something we struggle with mm-hmm. perhaps more than than other folks um, is, you know, do I deserve to be here? And one thing I've realized in myself and a lot of the amazing female leaders I work with is we spend a lot of time rationalizing our decisions. Like we put so much energy into having proof points and facts and backing behind every opinion and recommendation we put out there and it's like we don't need to do that right like we're pros we are here for a reason we're here we've been invited to the table or we have stepped up to the decision table because we have a skill set or a perspective or an experience that everyone else lacks and Mm -hmm. that's why we're there and we need to have confidence in that and not feel like we need to always justify ourselves but just to own that and just be really grounded in that um so yeah I, i think i frequently feel that like oh you know the MBA question or the different letters after your name. And do I need that in order to to be here, to be talking with these amazing CEOs and leaders that I have an opportunity to meet every day? Mm-hmm. And I think just through some coaching that I've received and some different people that I've surrounded myself with, just being able to be that kind of fan for myself, that pump up person for myself to say like, no, no, you have what it takes to be here. You're here for a reason. Lean into what you have that others don't and and just really own that. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. Tell me about a time where you felt undervalued. Oh, yeah. I don't stay in those situations. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. 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 So I think being undervalued just in like previous workplaces, you know, when you kind of get that itch where like, I know I can do more, but I'm not getting those opportunities. Yep. You know, often that's a signal that you've outgrown that place and it's time to move on. And, you know, you could kind of continue to pound your head against the wall trying to get others to see your potential and your capacity or you could move on to something else so that's often been been the route that I have taken and try to leave on a high you know (laughs) always leave on a high make them miss you (laughs) I like that I don't stay in those situations (laughs) how do you have conversations with people who have more power than you so my superpower I think is my curiosity 
Mm. Yeah, I'm a I'm so interested in like what gets people out of bed in the morning. And so when I have those opportunities to connect with someone that has more power than me, that is my ticket in is just being the question asker and trying to understand what makes that person tick. And people love to talk about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's so cool the number of interactions you'll have with someone where you'll say very little about yourself. You'll just be the question asker and they'll come away from that saying, that Kirsten was so nice. That Kirsten is so capable. She is so smart. She's such a good... I didn't say any of that. I just asked questions, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but for yes. me, that's that's my approach. I love that. It seems as though mental health is about things you cannot see. When do you see it? So I think in the workplace, we see mental health when there's a performance issue. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think sometimes it's easy to get frustrated around a performance issue and and think, oh, that person doesn't care or they don't appreciate this or they don't know how good they have it. That is not the case nine times out of ten. Often it's a mental health piece and might be something going on at work. It might be something going on outside of work, but it affects people at work. And so often you'll see the symptoms. Um, Mental health is still not something a lot of people are comfortable talking about. A lot of people might not be comfortable talking to me about it as well because they might be uncertain about how it affects their job and their opportunities here. Um, So I think, you know, when you see those performance issues, just reserving that judgment until you have an opportunity to understand what's going on in that individual's life. And then we've been fortunate at our company to be able to set up some different supports through our employee benefits program, through some mental health first aid training that some of our staff have received here to try to support people through that. Yeah, great advice for leaders. When you see a lack of performance, that's very interesting to say, hey, take a second. Take a second. What am I seeing here? What am I really seeing here? Mm -hmm. And that's how you can see it. I like that. I would also add that um, if you work in a creative industry, you work with creative folks, those folks typically are very perceptive, very sensitive. um, And that, you know, things might affect them more so than others. And that's why they're so good at their jobs is because they have that deep understanding, that sensitivity, that reflection that they can do. And so, you know, stress and anxiety, fatigue, overwork, even stuff that's happening, you know, on social media and in the news that's keeping them up at night or or adding worries to their plate might affect them more than maybe someone that doesn't have that kind of soul, you know? So I think in some workplaces, you have to be a little bit more sensitive to it. Yeah, yeah, good point. What, in your opinion, is the biggest change in people post-pandemic? I think it's that people don't want to just tough out a job anymore for a paycheck. People want every hour of their day to be time well spent. And I don't think that's a reasonable expectation. I know sometimes I'm a millennial, so sometimes... You know, I'll hear people criticize that millennials have a lack of work ethic, let's say, because they won't just tough out a job for 30 years like maybe previous generations have done. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that demonstrates a lack of work ethic. I work with people who work incredibly hard, and I know how hard people can work when they're doing something that they care about. And I think the pandemic has given people the opportunity to find that thing for themselves. Mm -hmm. I like that. What do people want from their jobs right now? They want independence. Mm -hmm. They want to be trusted that they're going to get their job done on their schedule. They want a job that accommodates their family life and what sort of childcare needs or pet care needs that they have. They want to bring their dogs to work. That's right. Sometimes they want to bring their cats to work. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, you know, we're we're testing that out. We'll see how that goes. Office cats. (laughs) 
Um, yeah, I just think that they want work to be a bit more integrated with yeah. their lives and, and they want to be trusted to do the job that they've been hired to do. That's great. Who are two or three people who have influenced you and how did they impact your life? Yeah, I talked about, you know, just being a woman in a leadership position and some of the confidence issues that can come up when you're kind of putting yourself out there. So um, there's a, an amazing leadership coach here in Winnipeg named Katie Owen, who really helped me turn my leadership journey around. Um, I also have another amazing coach that I work with named Kathleen Hosick. And so I think for me, just surrounding myself with these women that are honestly like very fearless individuals and are very unapologetic um, and really just own their space and their expertise has been very helpful for me and just navigating this for myself and dealing with imposter syndrome. I have super supportive family and friends. I had um, my uncle, his name's Paul Croto. He um, was a partner at Legacy Bows for a number of years who helped take away a lot of that fear of failure that I had in the beginning. You know, do I want to go out on my own? What if we fail? And he would always say, so what? So what? So you fail, like you start again, you know, your life is not over. And so people like that, that have just really helped build my own confidence. I love that and helped you take that step. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Here's to this has been a joy. This has been such a pleasure. You've helped. I mean, you've said so many things that I know that a lot of business leaders are going to, you know, gravitate to. And and I think you've made us think a little bit and you've named some things, you know, even when you say, I think us women, we feel we're underqualified more. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right in every walk of life. We do that to ourselves Mm -hmm. and we can't always point a finger and say, well, they're making us feel this way. We need to take some ownership and some leadership. Yeah. And maybe the last thing I, I think sort of in response is when I asked you who influenced you, you talked about people who you allowed to coach you. Mm-hmm. You were coachable and you said, listen, I'm going to learn from others, you know, which is why we're doing this, mm-hmm. why we're having these conversations so yeah. people can listen to you now and learn something from you and take that another step further into their work, work and, and walk of life and, yeah. and love it. I think everyone listening wants to work at Uphouse now. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> I hear LA is hiring. No, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, sunny LA. Not a bad place to be. Not a bad place to be. Thank you for your time. Congratulations on your success. All the best in your Entrepreneur of the Year award nomination. Cross your fingers for us. We're crossing our fingers for you. And uh, sounds like there's a lot of good reason that uh, you could walk away with that one too. So thanks for your time. Thank you. Kirsten May, co-owner of Uphouse Inc. in Winnipeg, a marketing and public relations agency providing services to clients in all different sectors. And it's obvious that their mission is to make marketing better. Yes, but for them, that includes making the world better too. And no question, they have found so many amazing ways to do that. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, maybe even learned something too. And if you did either or both of those things, please share it with your friends or tell them about us. Mental health for performance, we are all looking for it and we are finding it one story at a time. I'm Michelle Sawatsky-Coop. We'll talk to you again soon.